Welcome to Digging In with Missouri Farm Bureau. I'm Eric Bowl, Director of Public Affairs. Today I'm joined by Spencer Tuma, our Director of National Legislative Programs, and B.J. Tanksley, our Director of State Legislative Programs. Hey guys, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing all right. Great, thanks for having us. It's exciting to be back on. Yeah, we've got uh, a lot going on with the um, uh, trade situation. Uh, we've had some developments with the meetings that have been happening overseas. Um, so, Spencer, let's jump into that. Uh, what are we hearing from President Trump? So a little bit of good news coming on the trade front. Late last week, uh, President Trump and President Xi of China did have the opportunity to meet during the G20 summit overseas. Um, during their discussion, it sounds like it was pretty productive. They did agree to what I'm going to call a tariff truce. So basically the tariffs that had been threatened recently over the last couple of weeks from the United States um, are no longer at this point going to be um, put into practice. So that is good news on that front. It doesn't take away any of the tariffs that are already in place. Uh, and the conversation did not set a deadline or a date for future negotiations. Basically, it's just kind of like a ceasefire at mm -hmm. this point. So hopefully there will be more development. But they are still going to be trying to work this out, right? Yeah, that's my understanding. Um, the last time we kind of had a, a tariff truce, I keep using that phrase, but it's just the easiest one to use. Um, the last time we had that, the administration set kind of a 90-day timeline for negotiations to move forward. There was no official timeline set this time. So at this point, uh, there will not be any new tariffs levied unless there is another breakdown in negotiations. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, we don't know at what date those further negotiations will occur. I'm being told by multiple sources that the administration has been having discussions since that initial meeting with China, both in person and on the phone. Um, so hopefully things will be moving forward, but unfortunately I don't know the timeline at this point. Yeah, and we did see also the president making some other overtures um, towards the Chinese, such as pulling back some of the restrictions that he was going to be placing on um, electronics by mm -hmm. Huawei, uh, that uh, especially on the 5G technology, which a lot of people in rural America and rural Missouri are interested in but nervous about because um, the 5G technology can really hurt uh, the, well, it doesn't travel very far. It's great if you get it, but if you don't get it, you can be left behind. But right. um, the uh, he had been banning all of that coming into the country. Sounds like that is not going to be happening right now. So maybe that's a positive sign that they really are looking to move forward and get away from this. Yeah, and at this point, you know, any, any news is good news. You know, we need to hear... Uh, you know, we were seeing the effects of these no communications yet tariffs and and to see some movement is is obviously signs of good news mm -hmm. at this point. Uh, no timelines, not as encouraging, but right. it would be uh, exciting to see those things start to move forward rather than seeing them break down, continue to. So it's mm -hmm. good news to see those things at the national front for sure. The administration continues to reiterate in multiple announcements and discussions that whatever deal is ultimately reached with China, they want agriculture to be a part of that deal. And so that is something that's really encouraging and we've seen as a theme really throughout these um, various negotiations and some of the back and forth. I do think the administration is committed to getting a deal that is fair and equitable to America's farmers and ranchers. Certainly hope so. That would be very important. Um, well, let's turn, turn a little bit more towards the domestic side of things. Um, and you guys both are uh, involved in the situation in southern Missouri. We had an article um, that came out last week about it um, that we wrote uh, about feral hogs, the situation going on in southern part of the state and there was a meeting um down in van buren last week 
um, that you went to, and uh, it sounds like there was quite a bit of discussion coming out of that. Where what did we uh, what did we hear from people? Yeah, so for anybody that's not familiar, um, in the state of Missouri, over the past, uh, I say 20 years, but it's probably just short of 20 years, mm-hmm. um, we've had uh, some population of feral hogs in the state. Um, at the meeting last week, they actually broke it down where um, in the northern parts of Iron County and then in some of the remote areas of Carter County or where we had the first populations a while ago. Um, over time, um, those populations have continued to grow and we've seen populations pop up in other areas of the state um, to where now if you look at counties impacted by feral hogs the li- the that list can get pretty long they are mainly um, the ozark area of southeast missouri um, along the arkansas border and then even popping up into um, western missouri um, going pretty far north when you get up into the Stockton and Truman Lake areas. Uh, so it's not just southern or southeast, but it does spread pretty far. But over the past 20 years or so, we have seen those um, and growing populations in some of those areas, especially in the southeast area, that Iron, Reynolds, Wayne, Carter area has been hard hit by this, where we've had members come to us and talk about the damage they're seeing on their property, whether they be row crop producers or involved in animal agriculture tearing up pasture lands. Um, they've seen the damage put out by, by feral hogs. Um, this past uh, end of the spring, um, President Hurst and the Farm Bureau Board decided to put together a, a committee of Farm Bureau members that have been impacted by feral hogs um, to be nominated by the county presidents from those counties. And we brought um, 15 counties, 15 um, nominees together. And this past week, we or yeah, it was still last mm-hmm. week, we met together down in Van Buren and really had a really good meeting where we had members from all across the state who have seen the impact and been involved in trying to control feral hog populations um, come together and hear from experts in the field of these issues, um, talking about uh, Missouri Department of Conservation, the um, U.S. Forest Service, the Corps of Engineers, um, and others, Missouri Department of Agriculture. So they all came and presented to the committee um, talking about issues relating to feral hogs and what their different agencies are doing to try to control populations Mm -hmm. across the state. Um, We all know when you hear from those folks, the goal is to not have feral hogs in the state of Missouri. Um, unfortunately, we haven't been achieving that at this point. Um, but what are they doing to try to get there? So mm-hmm. we did have some great conversations, got a lot of information. Um, I think our members came away with some questions and some answers. But I think it was a, a really good conversation about where we are with feral hogs, um, what is working, and, and some of the things that, that may not be working and, and what the challenges are. And, and what what is Missouri Farm Bureau's current policy? on feral hogs because I know you say this has been an issue for 20 years or so but it's really gained steam in just the past handful. Right so Missouri Farm Bureau we don't have a ton of specific policy on feral hogs but we do support total eradication Mm -hmm. of what we would consider to be a nuisance animal. Uh, We also support greater penalties for those who are found to be actively transporting or releasing feral hogs into the landscape Uh, and that's something I think that I learned especially from the meeting last week about um, how there really is not a lot of consistency with sometimes how those people who are caught transporting or releasing hogs, um, whether or not they actually face punishment. So mm-hmm. that's really interesting to me to learn that. And, the, and it is a Class A misdemeanor, which is the highest mm-hmm. uh, level of misdemeanor in the state, which is punishable by, I think, a fine of up to $1,000 and and or a year in jail. Mm-hmm. So it's not an insignificant punishment um, on the books to begin with, but 
like you say, I guess it's not been uniformly enforced. Yeah, the challenges really come down to prosecution, and then um, some of there, there's there's some challenges in the definition of what is a feral hog mm-hmm. and what is transporting for hunting. If that would be, you have to actually see them releasing them or just seeing them in the trailer. That's some of what we heard from some of the others. Is um, some of that needs to be cleaned up. And as we continue, we may talk with some folks about the prosecution side to make sure that local authorities that are involved in that decisions understand the 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 challenges and the cost that feral hogs do to the land mm-hmm. one of the things that was really interesting usda was a part of the meeting and they actually have been doing dna testing i will say personally i was pretty impressed with the amount of study they're actually putting into removing these hogs they're not just trapping and removing them but they're actually studying what's going on and understanding the animal well they've done dna testing on the hogs that are in missouri and when you put together the map of that and where the DNA is related and are not related, um, it's pretty clear there's been some intentional movement or introduction of different genetics into different areas of the state. Mm-hmm. It's not just one genetic band that has grown over time. Um, that was pretty irrefutable, I thought. Yeah. Spencer, you were there. You may you may feel the same. But I thought that was pretty interesting to see. There's been some movement or at least introduction, in my opinion, mm-hmm. from that slide. It was pretty irrefutable. I think it was also interesting for the committee to hear about all of the animal health concerns that are associated with feral hogs on the landscape in Missouri. Um, you know, the Department of Ag was there and did a great job of presenting all of the different diseases that feral hogs can carry. Um, and they really do act as kind of carriers of multiple diseases that we have largely eradicated in the domestic swine population in the, in the entire U.S., Um, But if we think about things like African swine fever, for example, feral hogs can carry ASF. And we're Mm -hmm. seeing right now in China the impacts of an African swine fever outbreak. China has eradicated about a third of their hog population and more and more every day. And that's larger than the entire U.S. domestic swine population. Mm -hmm. So if that were to somehow get transmitted to the domestic swine population, that would be a huge problem. BJ mentioned that the Missouri Farm Bureau Board has taken a real interest in Uh, our policy on feral hogs and eradication of the animal. Um, And the reason they put together this task force is to basically make recommendations for our resolutions process, which Mm -hmm. happens every year. So the goal of the committee uh, is to meet a few times, to talk, meet in person, talk on the phone, um, and then ultimately develop recommendations for the organization at our October resolutions meeting. Mm -hmm. And um, we should definitely mention that PERS has been found in some hogs in Missouri, wild wild hogs, um, feral hogs. And that's something that Director Chen has been very outspoken about because her family is involved in um, swine and pork production um, up in northeast Missouri. And they had a, um, an incidence of PERS in their operation that caused them to have to cull the entire herd and, and start from scratch last year, a couple of years ago. And it was it was a $3 million investment that they had to make, yeah. um, which is totally you know unnecessary, especially if it ends up uh, that the with the feral hogs start passing that from uh, farm to farm that could be massively uh, expensive to the Missouri population yeah and that that's absolutely true the disease concerns are, are definitely important they my understanding is USDA does some disease testing on a certain number of animals and they do that on random so we don't know what how many of them do or don't but they right. did find one positive and I believe in Wayne County area mm-hmm. so that is a major concern in the cost there the other thing I'll say is Missouri is a very diverse state and that's why when in, in the past when Farm Bureau has talked about hogs there's areas of the state that absolutely have never seen the impact mm-hmm. but the area where these place these animals are, are 
proficient, and there's a lot of them, they're often largely forest with small pastures or small pieces of production agriculture. And when you see these hogs come in and tear up acres at a time, that's a big pressure and a big cost to that producer. You know, I've talked to people in the Iron County area. To be fair, I worked in that area for a while. Um, but I talked to people in that area, and they said, if they keep tearing up my pasture, I can't have cattle on that pasture anymore. Right. And it's not like, oh, I just moved to the next piece. The next piece is a large piece of, of national forest land. Mm-hmm. It's not available to me. It could put people out of business in these areas that don't have the the amount of options, you know, when you're talking about the, the, the land that they live on. And speaking of that national forest issue, Spencer, where um, is Missouri Farm Bureau's policy on the um, proposals of, of closing the Mark Twain National Forest to hunting. Right. So, yeah, as you mentioned, the U.S. Forest Service recently put out a proposal that would close the entire Mark Twain National Forest in southeast, south-central Missouri to hog hunting. Missouri Farm Bureau does not have a position on that closure. We don't have any policy in our book um, that directs us to take a position on that. However, there is a comment period open currently, um, and if anybody wishes to learn more about it or to make a comment on that proposal, they're welcome to visit the Forest Service's website, um, and they can learn more about the details of that. Yeah, and there was a lot of talk amongst our members uh, in the committee about the closure on both sides, you know, and the idea of whether or not it promotes hunting in the closure or not, and what happens in the absence of hunting in those areas. Um, So it's definitely something to to pay attention to, and if Mm -hmm. you have an opinion on it, go in and weigh in on it, because um, we are in that comment period, and that's what it's for. So get out there, make comments, and let your voice be heard, um, because I believe in relatively short order, they're going to be looking to make a decision, or at least coming out with some ideas of what they're going to do, so. Um, important to take action. All right. Well, one last topic that we will touch on today is that there was an, annou- an announcement on Friday where uh, Lieutenant Governor Kehoe, who was actually the acting governor at the time um, because Governor Parson was on vacation and out of the state, um, he signed a executive order in, uh, in Fulton to establish the Missouri Food, Beverage, and Forest Products Manufacturing Task Force. And um, this is a, a kind of a behind-the-scenes thing we've been working on a little bit. Um, it has We have had a couple of press releases on it, but we've been trying to get this um, this task force put together for quite some time. Uh, this is a, a project that was first um, proposed, I think, by Chris Daubert, who's the dean of the College of Agriculture, Food, and Natural Resources at Mizzou. Um, but now it's actually um, coming to fruition that we're going to have a governor-appointed task force to look into how to bring more value-added uh, uh, money to the agriculture in Missouri. So what do we know about the task force, and what are they going to be doing? Yeah, so um, just a little backstory. Um, this all kind of goes back to the Ag Impact Study, which mm-hmm. was several years ago at this point, where they said agriculture is an $88 billion industry. That's the impact we have in the state of Missouri. And then you bring um, Dr. Dalbert into the scene. And I believe in, in his previous work, he's worked in this way, where they tried to take the impact from a, a particular number and see if you can't increase that over time. Well, the University of Missouri did a study of, you know, the beginnings of feasibility of Mm -hmm. what comes next and what should be done, what stands in the way. And this is kind of the state taking the next step to see what can we do to bring that on. Um, It looks like there's going to be members of the legislature, uh, Lieutenant Governor um, 
Kehoe serving on it as well. Members of the legislature, Missouri Farm Bureau is going to be a part of it, as well as others that are chosen by that that group to be a part of the discussion to see how do we take the impact of Missouri agriculture and then multiply it. You know, if you can bring that value added, if you can take it to a finished product here in the state of Missouri, and this isn't a new conversation, but we've always known if you can finish that product here rather than shipping it out for somebody to then get those retail dollars off of it, it's better off for everyone. It creates jobs, it creates opportunity, and it makes a better market for your products here in the state of Missouri. So um, I think it's going to open a a lot of opportunities and really excited to see where this goes. Um, One of the most interesting things when I looked over it was the timeline of it. They're actually asking for some recommendations back to the state um, by the beginning of October. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, that's pretty quick timeline um, to get anything, you know, to do any kind of study and report back to the governor. So I think that's pretty neat timeline. And then going to continue to serve on for the next about five years of how do we take the step the state forward. I don't think you can have the conversation of value added without talking about um, legislation like Senate Bill 391. That was one of those things of how do we feed more animals here in the Missouri? That gets them closer to that finished product. You know, finishing cattle here and processing them has always been a conversation mm-hmm. in the state. I shouldn't say always, but isn't a new conversation. Right. Um, I know Governor Nixon was interested in doing so, and you have to have more cattle ready for that before you can do it. So mm-hmm. it's all it all works together, and I would imagine there will probably be some legislative priorities mm-hmm. that would come out of that where they would say, here's some barriers to how do we double our mm-hmm. impact. But I think in the end, it's just very exciting to see agriculture already has a major impact in the state, and it's good for the producers across the state. But with trade concerns and other things that aren't in our control, the more things you can do here to then have it under your control, the better off and the more stable agriculture will be for everybody. Absolutely. And I think that brings in, you mentioned legislation, but identifying regulatory barriers as well, things that can be done administratively that don't take a vote of the legislature um, to maybe help remove some of those barriers, but also looking at you know, what advantages do we have here in the state that would be easy to add more value to? Things that would, I think you have to look at short-term projects and also at long-term projects Mm because some things are going to be easier than others. So really excited to see what the task force does with that. All right. Great. Well, um, we are going to be breaking for the 4th of July. Any big plans, BJ? Oh, we'll be together with family and shooting fireworks and doing the normal 4th of July stuff. So we're excited about it. Great. That's about as much plan as I have. Spencer, you have a much more interesting plan. Well, I, I don't know that it's much more interesting, but President Hurst and I will be traveling to Washington, D.C. next week for some meetings with our congressional delegation and with American Farm Bureau. Uh, so I think I'm going to go out a couple of days early and, and catch the, the D.C. July 4th celebration, it's which exciting. I've never been to. So it'll I've, be fun. I've been there many times, and it's a lot of fun to, to watch. It's quite a fireworks show. And... I guess you get to see a big parade this year, right? We'll see. If there is, you better take pictures. <laughs> I will. Absolutely. I'll, I'll do my best and report back. Sounds good. All right. Great to talk to you guys. Thanks again. Thanks. Thank you.